0: What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Sports. Jamoke Davis here with you. In this episode, we're going to get to which teams, as we are only two games into the season, I think are for real. For better or for worse, are they really a 2 0 team or 0 2 team? We'll talk about that. And I got a change in my Super Bowl pick. Uh, a gamble in it, but I think a really good one that you might be interested in. Washington Post report about NFL head coaches uh, that are black and the problems that come with them not being hired. We will talk about that. Robert Sarver selling the Suns in Mercury. Becky Hammond. Brad Stevens and Ime Udoku. Aaron Judge versus Albert Pujols. The end of the regular season in Major League Baseball is coming to a near. And at the end... As I don't do often enough, I'm going to talk a little little bit about movies and wondering if you're going to see a particular one. I know I will. Probably not this weekend, but I will. I'm first going to start with uh, who's for real and who's not for real. As we look at week three, I'm going to make my predictions as well. Tonight we've got Browns-Steelers coming up. Um, it is a very pivotal week in the NFL in my mind. Some teams may not make it um, or rather on life support may not make it to the playoffs. Um, this could kind of be the end. I mean, I know it seems weird. Like even if we went 0-4, if you won the rest of your games, you'd be 12-4. But we know that's not likely. This could be the end. It is the end of two Monday night games, at least for a while, that I recall. But man, did I enjoy having that. Even though the games were bad, I liked having two Monday night games. But they were on kind of at the same time too, which was also kind of bizarre. The other thing that I want to get to, you know, we are in prime time. That's what we are. And I mean Amazon Prime Time. Again, on a Thursday night tonight, the game will be on Prime Video. So we'll get to see another Jeff Bezos, uh, Roger Goodell, um, NFL Owner Suite-esque shot of the two of them sitting there chatting as they talk about Amazon taking over All of the leagues. And speaking of that, one thing that I was going to say for next week, but I may get to, as there's talk of the leagues taking over the RSNs, that's the regional sports networks. I've got some thoughts on that as well. But I digress. I'll come back to that as we talk about prime video showing NFL games. I look at the teams that are 0-2 and 2-0 and it's hard not to think That some of these 2-0 teams are. Frauds is not the right word. It's not. But if I'm starting in the NFC. Eagles at 2-0 I say are for real. I thought they were going to win the NFC East. Giants at 2-0. They are, as you say, um, honeymoon phase. Brian Dayball's new head coach there. Honeymoon phase for the Giants. But they're 2-0. We'll see. We'll see. NFC North. All of the teams in NFC North are one and one, so we can skip over them. Buccaneers 2-0. They're 2-0, but they have not played very well. You know, the week one win was somewhat lackluster. It's like, okay, they won. They got the job done is the bottom line. Week two, it was a 3-3 game for the longest time. And I turned that thing on, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the players got to fighting. And I think in some ways, they probably lost their composure, if you will. Forgot where they were. Mike Evans getting ejected from the game. But they're 2-0. And they have Tom Brady as quarterback. And until he retires, I'm going to say just don't count him out. Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Panthers, Falcons, both 0-2. That's about what I expected. They're not very good. They're not very good. No surprise there. And in the NFC West, as I expect this to be the toughest battle all season, Niners, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals all at 1-1. One and one. Looking at the AFC, we'll start in the East. We got the Dolphins and Bills both at 2-0. Who's for real and who's not? I don't think the Dolphins are for real. I think the Ravens had a mental lapse on defense and let them back in the game. Not saying that they can't make the playoffs, but I'm just like, slow your roll down in Miami. Now, I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying that you know good and well, all you Miami Dolphins fans, y'all were thinking, oh my gosh, Tua's awful. We didn't need Tyreek Hill. What's going on with my Dolphins? They're getting smashed by the Ravens. I mean, come on, two through six touchdowns? Come on, that was unexpected. Now, what was expected, the Bills at 2-0, and yeah, they're good. They really are good. And I think you will see them in the Super Bowl. But as I alluded to, they are not, they're, I think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. But if you're looking for a long shot that I think you'll take or should, you know, take a flyer on. I got another team for you coming up. Bengals in the AFC North are 0-2. They are the NFL Super Bowl losers. That's right, they got to the Super Bowl and they lost. They're 0-2. My feeling is they're probably feeling themselves coming into the season. Oh yeah, we're getting back. No doubt about it. The Jets at 1-1. are kind of a bigger surprise to me than the Bengals. I don't know if that's that right. That's kind of weird to say. Because the the Jets, in my mind, I was like, oh, they should be 0-2 as well. But they're 1-1 because they won their game. I'm just surprised that the Bengals are 0-2. But I think they might be the best team that has a chance of bouncing back. Titans, 0-2. Texas, Texans and Colts. So technically, Texans are 0-1-1. Colts are 0-1-1. I think the Colts are done. This might be it for Frank Reich. I bet he wishes he had Carson Wentz back. Maybe he doesn't. I give him back. But the Titans are also uh, in that haven't won a game category at 0-2. And that does surprise me a little bit. I don't think you need to push the panic button in Tennessee. Not like I think you're pushing the panic button in Indianapolis. I mean, you lost to the Jaguars 24 to zero. That's bad. That's panic button. Titans, you know, that was a tough loss in the playoffs last year to have Derek Henry come all the way back and then lose that first playoff game. I think maybe they're reeling a little bit. They're trying to figure themselves out. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Chiefs at 2-0. That's about what I expected. I disappointed in myself. I was like, uh, without Tyreek Hill, maybe Patrick Mahomes is going to take a step back. No, nah, they got a squad. I mean, come on. Like I was acting like Travis Kelsey wasn't there. That Andy Reid wasn't the head coach that they didn't have a good running game. They're looking good so far. Raiders at 0-2. I don't know if they can necessarily bounce back. I think this isn't a good position to be in. And the key is me saying that a good position to be in is that if you get to 0-3, I'm like, okay, now already, you know, I'm... Fans, the the team, even the owners, looking like, uh oh, what's going on? So yeah, I'm a little bit concerned with the Raiders. Minus 11 for their uh, point differential is pretty bad, but it's not as bad. Excuse me, I meant to say that that's not as bad. But when you look at the Titans at minus 34 and the Colts at minus 24. That's bad. That's a real concern for me. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, So as I alluded to about who is my new pick that I'm looking to take a flyer on, There was a big change in one team. And it was a change that many people thought should not have happened in the first place. Everybody outside the team, but I'm sure you will find that there were people inside of the team, players in front office that said, don't do it. But I'm gonna take a flyer on this team because they have a change at quarterback. And it's the San Francisco 49ers. As soon as they got off of Trey Lance, the first thing that came to mind for me is they could get to the Super Bowl and they could win it. They're back. They're back to their playoff self. And maybe this year they'll have the magic. Maybe this year will be the year for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, which of course will hurt everybody in Washington too because they're like, man, I thought we had that. I thought we knew who was the better potential to be a head coach and yet none of the three assistant coaches from the Washington football team are coaching the Washington football team. Kyle Shanahan? Nope. Which is probably... I don't want to say the person that I thought would be the most likely head coach, but because his dad was coaching, that was the reason why I thought he would be the coach. That's why I thought for sure he was like in that pipeline So I was surprised when, when he wasn't and to think that now we've got Mike McDaniel, new head coach of the Dolphins. which they are 2-0. Sean McVay, who coached the tight ends in Washington, so a little farther removed, but now he's with the Rams. They were just Super Bowl champions, so that hurts maybe more than Kyle Shanahan. And then Matt LaFleur, who was a quarterback's coach, is now the head coach in the NFL of the Green Bay Packers. Man, that's four assistants from Washington. And Washington's got none of them. Now, we do have a minority head coach in Ron Rivera, which takes me to another story that we will get to. But uh, don't forget, 49ers are my sleeper pick. Now, I know the last two Super Bowls, the city that was hosting the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay and the Rams. But if you want a real, real, real long shot, I don't even know if I could pull a trigger on this. Arizona Cardinals at plus 5,000, 50 to one to win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. I can't do that. I just can't. I'm sick with the Niners at 20 to one. Stick with the Niners at 20 to 1. So, as I mentioned, head coaches, right? I'll do my predictions for my parlay picks at the end of the show. It's still to come. There's a Washington Post report out about the uh problem with the NFL blocking head coaches that the Rooney rule is still hurting head coaches and that things are getting worse. Shout out to Michael Lee, who I saw uh, in Pittsburgh a couple months ago when he was coming to a Pirates game, got to connect with him, did an interview with him for a project I'm working on. But he and Dave Shinin, Emily Giambalvo, Arthur Galocha, and Clara Ince Morse all reported on this story. And I think you will hear down the road about this story potentially being a... Maybe it's too much to say Pulitzer Prize winning story, but I imagine it's going to win some awards. There's a possibility for that. And then, of course, that makes me think about how when Michael Lee was here, he had a chance to speak with Mike Tomlin, who is a blackhead coach and who has since hired Brian Flores, who has a lawsuit against the NFL after he was fired by the Dolphins in January and accused the league and the teams of racism in their hiring firing practices, and Mike Tomlin said, "Come over here. I'll protect you. Well, not protect you, but you know, hey, if they don't they don't want you, and you're gonna try to get maybe potentially get blacklisted, which probably is a term we shouldn't use anymore, actually." Then I'll hire you. Because as a black coach, the best thing I can do is hire a black coach. If other teams y'all aren't gonna do it, I will. Because a lawsuit of that kind by Brian Flores um, is a stain on the NFL, and it will be one for a while. In my mind, I don't know if things will ever change. As the Washington Post reported. There have been 191 head coaches that have been hired since 1990 and 25 of them are black. Almost 60% of the league is black. I just don't see there being much of a change. I don't. And for this story, which also adds to Michael Lee being in Pittsburgh. Only one Pittsburgh Steelers uh only one team's representative was willing to speak. And that's Art Rooney, arguably the best owner in the NFL. What would you say? Yes. As the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, the way that this team has had consistency, six Super Bowl championships, Mike Tomlin as one of the three black coaches in the NFL, but one of five minority head coaches in the NFL, Five out of 30 teams have minority head coaches. But he's a model owner. And he was the only owner to speak. He said, quote, most of us talking about the Rooney rule, which is named after his father, Dan Rooney. Most of us were not expecting it to turn in the wrong direction the way it did and to the extent it did and over the time period that it did. Talking about the the... The number of black head coaches going down. I don't think there's any one reason that you could point to. It's obviously a trend that was not expected and not welcomed. It may have taken us too long to get to this point. We're addressing the situation, but I'm just pleased to say at this point that I do think there's a consensus and a collective effort to address it. but I'm just pleased to say at this point that I do think there's a consensus and a collective effort to address it. Is there really a collective effort? And I applaud Art Rooney II for going on the record and talking about this. But this, you know, we're all in this together approach, about diversity and equity and inclusion? I don't know. And I did forget, uh, because he is the new head coach, and I totally went over my head, and I forgot. Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins is biracial. So there are six minority head coaches. Of the 32 teams, that's six that are minority coaches. It's close to 20%, six out of 32. A little under 10% of those coaches are black with their three black head coaches in the league right now. But when you think of Art Shell being the first black head coach in 1989... And before that, Fritz Pollard in 1921 of the Akron Pros. That was the American Professional Football Association. That was before the NFL. That's it. That's the list. But it's an interesting read to go down the history of black head coaches in the NFL. It's not good. I think when you look at some of the assistant coaches in the league that probably, one, think they deserve a shot, it is always in the back of your mind that you're thinking, oh, they're just doing this just to check a box. It's got to be always in the back of their mind. I'm not getting this job. I mean, you see what happened with Brian Flores when he was getting the text from Bill Belichick, the mistake text. One interesting thing from the story, Ladanian Tomlinson's quote. He's now a special assistant to the, the ownership group of the Los Angeles Chargers, and he said, quote, I really think there's a disconnect between the owners and the kind of culture that is black folks. Not understand the way black folks communicate, the mannerisms, the expressions is different than someone who looks like them. We hear owners say all the time, oh, I connected with this, quote unquote, white candidate because they reminded me of myself. If we can't get past that mindset with coaches who don't look like you or talk like you or come from the same background, they'll never get a chance. They also won't because it really is important to have Owners of color. Only Bill's co-owner, Kim Pagula, who's Asian American, Jacksonville Jaguars owner, Shahi Khan, who's Pakistani American. That's it. I remember when the Denver Broncos were up for sale, I pushed like, oh, come on, maybe Byron Allen can buy the Broncos. That's uh, probably not gonna happen. I don't know how it's gonna get better because I do think a lot of ways it has to do with you hiring someone that you feel like you get. And if you're a white owner, you just don't really get a black head coach in his mindset. Even with small things, like when Mike Tomlin gave the team Black Air Force Ones, that probably had to be explained to Art Rooney the 2nd like wait what uh what and i know that's small and trivial in compared to comparison to some of the real issues we're talking about but that's a form of what we're talking about the culture being different Tony Dungy talked about there's a culture of forced silence Because if you want another opportunity, you just can't go out and say, that interview that I got was a sham or I didn't get a fair deal. It'll be held against you. Of course it will. They don't, come on. You gotta be quiet. You gotta be quiet. 13 NFL franchises still have not had a full-time black head coach. And you think realistically, uh, like there was a Bill Parcells coaching tree and the Washington Commanders coaching tree, just kidding about that one, but kind of, not really, really. Mike Shanahan coaching tree, I guess you could say. But Tony Dungy was really the catalyst for the league getting a number of black head coaches. Just from him alone is Leslie Frazier, Lovey Smith, Herm Edwards, Jim Caldwell, Mike Tomlin, from Leslie Fla- Frazier, as you look at the diagram, and I'm and I'm took taking note, reading my notes rather from the article that I read from the Washington Post, which really had some interesting tidbits. Some I knew, some I didn't. But for Mike Tomlin, you got Brian Flores. Mike Singletary became a head coach. From Leslie Frazier, Steve Wilkes from Lovey Smith. Marvin Lewis wasn't directly from the coaching tree of Tony Dungy, but he was an assistant with Tony Dungy. You know, to talk about the, you know, there's an issue with the intelligence level, that they're all hiring young head coaches calling them geniuses and whizzes and all of that stuff. Well, my problem with that is while there are multiple head coaches, or excuse me, rather multiple assistant coaches that could be considered for jobs. The one I think of that's been overlooked a lot is Eric Biennami of the Kansas City Chiefs. Calling these some of the younger white head coaches, oh, they're geniuses. Whiz kids, as the article calls them. I don't know if it will get better. I really don't. The way that some of the current head coaches have shot up, like the coaches from the Washington Commanders and Mike Shanahan's coaching tree, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, look how quickly they got head coaching jobs. Well, there are multiple black assistants that are just sitting out there. A lot of them are much older. The leash is shorter. You don't win after two seasons. Okay, maybe you're done if you're black. You gotta win. You gotta win. And you gotta win big. There's so much to the story I want you to read it. I won't go on about this, although I could. But there's other stuff to get to. But check out this, the story in the Washington Post. We're going to switch to the NBA. And I want to first start talking about... um. the announcement that Robert Sarver is starting the process to sell the Suns, the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury. Robert Sarver said in this statement, quote, as a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past for those reasons I have beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury." End quote. Okay, it shows that Sarver realizes, yeah, I'm not gonna enjoy being an owner. That's what it says to me. Whatever good he has done is gonna be overshadowed by the negative things that we have come to learn about Sarver. The way he has treated female employees including the sexual related comments. I mean, Robert is going to be fine. He bought the team for 400 million back in 2004. Now he can sell it for what? 1.5, 1.8 billion, maybe even go over 2 billion by the time all the bidding's done. There were also reports some time ago. Well, not a report, legitimate. That Phoenix Suns minority owner also talked about the disappointment. Jam Najafi He's a minority owner. Please forgive me if I didn't say his name correctly. Said that there should be zero tolerance for it. So he was being critical of the majority owner as he is a minority owner of the Suns. He's also a vice chairman. And that is something that you can't get away from. But what the league can't get away from is that, no, it wouldn't have been a good thing. It would not have been. And I'm sure for Adam Silver, it would have hurt. It probably would have hurt his reputation too. But it should have been the league that told him he had to sell the team. It doesn't absolve Adam Silver in my mind from not having the guts to do. And I guess it's almost unfair because he did have the guts to tell Donald Sterling, you have to sell the Clippers. But in hindsight, he should have had the guts to say, you got to sell the Suns and Mercury. And he didn't. They were going to go with the one year suspension. There are reports of staffers saying that they're relieved, beyond happy. I was reading in the in uh, ESPN story. You can see the tweet from LeBron James. I'm so proud to be a part of a league committed to progress. I mean, it's not really a league committed to progress, my man. That's not it, LeBron James. That's Robert Sarver saying he doesn't want to be, he's not going to be able to go to a game even after this season. He was worried that PayPal, who is a Jersey Patch sponsor, was like, yo, I'm not going to renew the partnership if you're still the owner. That's what that was. I completely disagree with Al Sharpton's comments though. Part of them at least. Yes, he said, first step in the long road towards justice. That the NBA still has some soul searching to do. But there's one sentence I'm like, no, nah, you're wrong. Especially as we think about it, goes to the NFL. He said, "quote The racist old boys club in professional sports is officially closed." Uh, nope, you're wrong there. You're 100% wrong, Al Sharpton. I don't know if we will ever, ever, ever see real change because it really starts with an individual. And so, yeah, you'll have that one owner, like Art Rooney II, who the Rooney rule is named after that family, Dan Rooney, the father that is as well, but no, it's not over. So you're wrong there, Al Sharpton. It's far, far from over. Speaking of far, far from over. Let's switch to the WNBA. And yeah, I saw the reports and of Ime Udoka, who might be suspended. But as I was going through my uh, thoughts of what I wanted to talk about, and I know I said I was in the preview, I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, Celtics head coach Ime Udoka, right? He's facing team discipline for uh, alleged improper consensual relationship with a female staff member. People on Twitter like, oh, Brad Stevens just wants to coach the team again. That's what this is. Of course, everybody's talking about Nia Long. There's a lot there. I just don't know what else to say about it. I need to see and hear more before I comment any further. So I just decide I'm gonna leave it there. But I do know the reporter's out there. But what I also know is out there is Becky Hammond and the Las Vegas Aces are the 2022 WNBA champs. But I also think about Becky Hammond. I'm like, okay, if there was a bet online for who will be the next head coach in the NBA, I'm putting my money on Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond was on the San Antonio Spurs as a head coach, as an assistant coach. Excuse me, man, I'm jumping the gun there. She interviewed for a couple of head coaching jobs with the NBA, didn't have a shot, which again makes you think about the Rooney rule, like, okay, we got the Hammond rule now. The Becky rule, I like that better, the Becky rule. Well, we won't go there. But she's already conquered the WNBA. As quick as she got there, she was just hired this year for the Las Vegas Aces. They won the WNBA championship. And now she's, she's got to be looking to the NBA, right? The, the teams are like, hey, maybe we missed something here. Now, which team she'll be coaching, I don't know. But I imagine it won't be long before Becky Hammond is a head coach in the NBA. And you heard that here. It might be this year. It might be this year. Something else happening this year, happening right before our eyes. We've got, in Major League Baseball, not just the pennant race, but we got Aaron Judge trying to get to that 61, 62 home runs. He also has a chance of getting the triple crown. And then you've also got Albert Pujols going for 700 home runs. He's trying to join an elite club. First, we'll start with Aaron Judge. It's a story. But to me, it's not that big of a a deal because he's not gonna catch Barry Bonds I don't know if he's gonna catch Sammy Sosa. I really don't. It's gotta make him nervous. Just trying to get there. It's neat. Roger Maris, 61 years ago. Which is quite interesting. Has a single season home run record of 61. But I mean, the triple crown is probably something that I would be more impressed with than the 61 home runs. And I know that there's some disappointment with Barry Bonds and I also forgot about Mark McGuire too who had 71 year and 65 another year. Yeah, it was a steroids era. Okay, yes, it was. And I think it will forever taint the league because Even when you look at Aaron Judge. Of course somebody's going to say, well, is he taking two? I mean, that's going to be a thing. I think it's more of a story because Aaron Judge is a Yankee. I think that plays into it. And I think most likely Aaron Judge is gonna get AL MVP, although I think Shohei Ohtani, if you were starting a team today, I think every team, every major league team would say, I'm gonna start my my team with Shohei Ohtani. That's my number one pick. If the league was brand new, you had to start over from the beginning. The number one pick would be Shohei Ohtani because he's the real MVP. But I mean, you could pick him every year. And in two years... When or who knows, maybe it'll be next season when he's on a winning team. I mean, it's gonna be the MVP. He could be a Cy Young winner, he could be that too. But then on the other side, you've got Albert Pujols, and I don't think it's fair to like try to compare the two of which one is more impressive. He's still chasing history. And I'm enjoying watching it. It's right, what, maybe the fourth time this season I'm watching the MLB Network because I, I want the live cut-ins of the Yankees' games and the Cardinals' games. I mean, it's, it's not much season left. There just simply isn't much of a season left. There's no doubt about that. 162 game season. Little under 14, 15 games for some teams. Races are getting tight. Cleveland White Sox game. Whew. It's doozy. The other night the one where i picked the white Sox at minus one and a half and they couldn't win oh that bums me out that really bums me out but i'm enjoy watching both players uh make history the pressure's tight though man the pressure's tight Love to see Shohei Ohtani more in that conversation. He's going to be the first $750 million man. You heard it here. I keep saying it. That's the kind of contract I expect him to get. That's what I expect him to get. In a later episode, I've been talking a long time. I'll talk about the uh, leagues trying to take over the RSNs. That's an interesting report. You don't want to keep talking, hearing from me. I'll keep talking forever. I did want to know if people are going to see Avatar tonight or this weekend. It's taking so long for the movie to come out, I don't even remember. When did Avatar first come out? Like 2008, eight, nine. It's a long time for the second one to come out. I don't even know if I'm really looking forward to it. I'll probably still go. I'll still go. But I don't know if the story, what are the storylines? I don't even know what the storylines are. So you know what? I'm gonna go to the other storyline, the headline. Here are my week three NFL picks as I end the show. All right? Steelers at the Browns. Browns are favored at minus four and a half. I'm going with the Steelers. Chiefs. At the Colts, Chiefs favorite at minus five and a half. I'm taking the Chiefs at minus five and a half. Eagles at the Commanders. Oh boy, that's what I'm talking about. Carson Wentz playing against the Eagles. I'm gonna take the Commanders at plus six and a half there. We've got the Bills at minus six at the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins at home there. Nope, 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 nope. I'm switching that pick. I'm going with the Bills at minus six. Bengals at the Jets. Boy, this is a tough one. Bengals 0-2 at the Jets who are, yep, they're, what, taking names? Uh, Yeah, I'm taking the Jets at plus five there. Ravens at the Patriots. The Ravens are favored at minus two and a half. I'm going with the Ravens to right the ship. They look good. I mean, on offense, they look great. It's a contract year for for Lamar Jackson. He's playing like it. That defense is gonna step up this time around. Uh, Lions at the Vikings. The Vikings are favored at minus six. I'm gonna take that. Not because I believe in the Lions per se, but the Vikings, once again, prime time, yep. We know what's going to happen. Our mister, you like that quarterback, can't get it done two and two, two and 10, excuse me, during primetime games. But you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen now that we're in the uh, just a regular game with someone, someone had a funny tweet. They called Kirk uh, Cousins, Kirkland Signature Cousins. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny when I saw that tweet. But Kirk Cousins, look, there's there's nothing at stake here. It's just a regular game, 1 o'clock game. I'm taking the Vikings at minus 6. Raiders at the Texans. Something's got to give. Both of these teams are 0-2. I'm going to take the Titans at plus 2 at home. Saints at the Panthers. Saints are favored at minus 2.5. I don't know what to think of the Saints. They played so poorly uh, in their last home game. Um, but the Panthers aren't that good either. I'm going to take the Saints at minus two and a half. Uh, Texans at the Bears. Bears are favored at minus two and a half. I'm going to take the Bears there. Jaguars at the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are favored at minus seven. Oh my, I'm going to take the Jaguars there. Packers, Buccaneers. The Buccaneers hosting the Packers. Two of the... Uh more established quarterbacks in the league in Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but one is way more decorated. The other one I think is way overhyped, and that's Aaron Rodgers. I think he's overhyped. I'm gonna take the Buccaneers at minus one and a half. Falcons at the Seahawks. This is tight. Plus one. I am going to take the Seahawks at minus one there. Rams, Cardinals, Rams are favored at minus three and a half. I'm gonna take the Cardinals at home at plus three and a half. 49ers at the Broncos. I'm taking the Niners at minus one and a half. And then we have Monday Night Football, Cowboys against the Giants. These are all tight games, super, super tight games. And I am going to take the Giants at minus one. And those are my parlay picks. You want to hear them again? All right, I guess so. It's probably best that I hear. Okay, I'll start from the bottom. We have, I'm taking the Giants at minus one, hosting the Cowboys. I've got the uh, 49ers at minus one and a half Cardinals at plus three and a half Seahawks at minus one Buccaneers minus one and a half Jaguars plus seven Bears minus two and a half Saints minus two and a half Titans plus two Vikings minus six Ravens minus two and a half Jets plus five Bills minus six Commanders plus six and a half Chiefs plus five and a half and 49ers plus four and a half and those are my, R, lay, picks. 28,802 to one is my chance of winning. Not gonna happen. But I do it every, every, every week I do it. All right, that'll do it for Just for Sport. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win you can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day right now we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the just for sport podcast all you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code j for sport and prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 dollars yep that's right they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today.